Uh, so um, how much is that? Welcome to the podcast editor's mastermind, a podcast about the business side of podcasting. No longer the only, but the first one. Can we, we still say that? Yeah. Tonight we are revisiting a topic we've covered before, but is a constant topic in any podcast editor group. And that is how in the heck do you get clients? I am Daniel Abendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio to my what left over here, depending on <laughs> how the camera works. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com or on Instagram at Carrie Eric. And I'm Jennifer Longworth at Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. And unfortunately, not joining us tonight is Brian Ensminger, but you can still find him at toptieraudio.com and at Top Tier Audio on all the socials. And if there's anything we talk about and you want to leave a comment or uh, what, give us feedback or just want to see the show notes, uh, you can find us at podcasteditorsmastermind.com and just find this uh, episode. Or if you're in chat, we would love to hear your... Uh, your comments, as we have from Steve Stewart. Looking forward to this one. Yay. Uh, Heidi Stabbert, good evening, everyone. <laughs> good evening to you. We're so glad to have you. And if you're listening to this uh, in the future on replay or on the audio, we do stream this every other Thursday at 8.05 p.m. Central Time, 9.05 Eastern. Um, and we'd love to have you join the conversation because like, we have been doing this for a long time, but we don't have all the answers. And we love learning from other people that have different insight and ideas than us because we can always improve. And I, uh, I could definitely use some improvement and I would love to have your help. So welcome everyone. And yeah, this is a big one. I mean, this is in the industry. I mean, this is kind of like the thing. How do you get started when you haven't been doing it and like trying to I mean it for one Low barrier of entry makes it easy for a lot of people to get into it. But like there's more to podcast editing than actually editing podcasts. What? <laughs> I know. And just like with anything, like there's more to acting, there's more to being a musician, there's more than just doing the thing. It's getting out there and getting in front of people that are willing to give you money to do such a thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I realized I was uh, like really close ended. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, yes. All right. You got Agreed. Good okay, night, cool. everybody. That cool. was a great show. Yes. It's hard. Give up. And see, uh, see you next week. Well, I'm in some other creator groups on Facebook, not podcast related. And this question comes up there too. How do I get more clients? How do I find clients? And I'm like, hey, you should tune into the podcast editor mastermind show. That might have helped them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we did talk about this. So if you want to hear how we all got our first clients, you can check out episode three. I guess we can kind of revisit. Like I got started on Fiverr. So I did my own podcast. It was awful. The show itself, but I love doing the post-production. Put myself on Fiverr for $5. It was miserable experience, but... I learned a lot. I gained a few clients and I was able to kind of grow and grow, raise my prices. And I got lucky enough to like fall into a niche that, it, that was really good for like podcasting. Yeah. So I started on Upwork. I made a little bit more than $5. Uh, but before, <laughs> I hate when podcasters say this, but before we started the show, um, we were talking, I asked Jennifer about her first client and we were just kind of reminiscing about how dismally low our rates actually were and how we far we've come because, and this came up, I don't know if you guys caught it, but Podbean did a, how to become a podcast editor session um, today. And I will share it was recorded so you can go back and watch it. And it had some other editors and they talked about like the difference between their first client and where they are now and just finding clients in general. But Everybody, they asked there, like, what did you, what was the rate for your first client? Cause like, how do you come up with that number? And like, I pulled my number out of thin air and was like 40 bucks for editing an hour long show note or editing an hour long episode, doing show notes, doing the graphic, posting on the website and posting on social media. And 
uploading to their podcast host. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, turned out I was making like a dollar 25 an hour. But it gave me experience doing the thing. So, I don't like yes, the rates on Upwork though, I I do believe have come up for podcast editing. It's like a a more valuable skill and I will say we, the first episode we did was 2 years ago right before the world like mm. changed completely literally like the week before yeah <laughs> <laughs> like there's trickles like i know people were aware of it and like you know they had hand sanitizer and like but it was yeah so even the market has changed and that's why i was like hey guys let's do an episode on finding climate client climates clients <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do climates too but um because so much has changed and podcasting seems bigger now. Seems bigger? See, just a little. <laughs> Maybe about like 2 million podcasters, you know, coming in into the, the market and more every day. So clients are potentially everywhere, right? I'll just say that my approach at the beginning was, was having an understanding that I was starting out. And like, I was going to have to like figure this out. Um, there was no podcast editors mastermind then. So <laughs> I didn't have like the extra help. And I started before I found any of the podcast Facebook groups like Podcast Editors Club. So I was literally just guessing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I used Upwork as a tool to figure out how, I mean, at the time it didn't feel like that. I'm totally like hindsight's 2020. <laughs> yeah. But I realized, though, what, what was actually happening was there was like a learning curve that was happening for it. And I was getting paid for it. And that's something. I know a lot of people will tell you, like, don't do work for free or don't undercharge. Like, I will say, like, that's not bad advice. But there, sometimes there is value in doing free work if you're just starting out and you need like that experience or it could be a potentially good connection, just like make sure that you kind of put it in like the restrictions. So don't have like an open-ended contract like with somebody that's like, yeah, I'll do your show for free in exchange for like a shout out or whatever. I mean, like put like an end date, that kind of thing. But I mean, there is some value in just like being able to work on another show. You know what? That now you said that thing about shout out. So there are two things that are very valuable if you're doing work for free. One is asking that person if you can be the sponsor of their show because you are essentially giving them a service, right? And the other one is credits, um, like having your name at the end or being able to put in a little, um, I did this for one client in exchange for like, um, a reduced rate is I was I put in my own, I recorded and put in my own credits at the end of the show, so it's like a little advertisement. I have a couple of clients to where like at the end of the show notes we have like show notes and editing done by Roth Media or that kind of thing. So it's also like we are in the credits, but it's also kind of good for SEO. Oh yeah, because like the way Google works is like the more quality links back to your website, the higher your website will rank. And so we have like our clients linking back to us, which shows like our website is credible. I, I don't know how effective it is no, I love because that. we do absolutely no SEO work. And <laughs> I haven't even looked at my website in way too long, but that is something to think about. Heidi says, that's a good idea. I never thought of being this uh, sponsor in exchange. It, it's rarely a bad idea, but just kind of keep in mind the quality of the sponsorship. So like when I look at my clients, so I, my niche is life coaches. So for the most part, most of my clients advertising on their show probably wouldn't do a whole lot because I mean, a few might be like my ideal client, but a show that would be really good is um, a show I work on that um, targets other life coaches. And so then if I sponsor that show, now I'm actually, her audience is my ideal client. So it's kind of keep in mind who the ideal client, who like the show's audience is. And does that align with who you want or are able to work with? I think that's good. Okay, but we're all like ahead in in actually working with the clients. So well, right, right, what about right. the finding the clients? Because what I'm curious is for people in our audience is how did you get your first client? 
or are you still looking for clients? So I want to know. So you can drop that in the comments and let us know how you got your first client because we, we definitely love to hear that. Yeah, we shared ours. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. I did on back on episode three. You can listen more there. But I found my first freelance client on Facebook. They posted needing help with something else. And I knew they had a podcast. And so I reached out to them about what they wanted help on. And then I said, by the way, I can help you with your podcast. And after the conversation, it was a yes. And I charged them a whole $35 per episode. Charging the big bucks. Uh, Soon after, it got my second client for $25. And that was just the bane of my existence for a while. That $25 episode per episode that was way too long with a blue Yeti and a big open room with kids. Oh, no. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that feels me, fills me with dread. So I feel like these like <laughs> kinds of uh, clients are really like it's trial by fire, and you learn a lot. Like I feel just the learning curve from those first editing clients was like crazy because I'm like, well, how do I get out like the lawnmower from the? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sign no, never recommend a Blue Yeti. <laughs> yeah, right. Andrea says that she got her first client by mentioning it, you know, mentioning she edits on her own podcast. And Heidi says, a friend knew that I did my own show and asked me to do theirs. They're the one getting my new email draft. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So she still has them, right? Yay. That's awesome. And I think that reflects, uh, Brian's. I'm pretty sure he, because he has his own podcast, and I think somebody reached out to him, or I guess on his show, had asked him to like to edit their show, because I think how Brian got his first client. Yeah. So there's, you know, one way right there to get, uh, start getting clients is to have a podcast, right? Yeah, because that's a great way to kind of showcase what you're capable of. In a way, I mean, it's hard to because like, um. You know, Steve Stewart has said the sign of a good podcast editor is you don't know that the show is edited. Um, but if you can kind of like go back to your own podcast as a way to kind of demonstrate your skill level, that goes a long way. Uh, James says they got my first clients by having my own podcast and inviting guests to start their own. Oh, very cool. Ooh, that's interesting. And so I kind of follow up to that, James. What was your podcast? about because like another thing to keep in mind um so a hobbyist podcast is probably not going to have the funds to pay like a decent amount if it's just like three dudes in their basement they're probably not gonna be able to afford the race that you need to charge to like make this your full-time job as opposed to like a business like a small business or a solopreneur or somebody that's going to have a marketing budget that they can put towards paying an editor I would almost argue not to exclude the hobbyist or not to like maybe be biased against the hobbyist because there are two reasons. One is sometimes the hobbyists can afford it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, one of my like highest paying clients, it is a Star Wars recap podcast where it is four guys getting as nerdy as you could possibly imagine over Star Wars, right? And I went into that consultation thinking he's not going to be able to afford me because this is a hobby podcast. Well, turns out he just keeps throwing more money at me. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So don't discount that. Sure. And then my second thing is that if the hobbyist has a good show, right? If you take a listen and the content is good or the idea is good, they can then grow that hobbyist show into a money-making endeavor. And I've, I had that, or I do have that with one client. She, it was just, she did a show on her like things she was passionate about. Nobody was talking about 225 episodes later, she's making six figures and, you know, is compensating me appropriately for something that is incredibly easy for me to edit. So nice. like I would would keep an open mind 
Yeah. My point wasn't so much like ignore hobbyists and like, don't even think about it. It's more like if you have, if you're working a nine to five and you have like so much time, energy and money to put into your marketing or to attract clients that may put that energy and whatever into avenues that probably have better output, I guess is my point. So like if you have like 10 hobbyists and 10 small businesses, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. better off with the small business, you know, throwing your net at the businesses because they'll more often than not have the money. But like if you have the opportunity to work with hobbyists, like don't just say no, because you probably won't have like, yeah, I mean, don't look for, you know, free course and amount, whatever. <laughs> but like, yeah, <laughs> hobbyists can definitely be a good source. It's just don't like put all your energy into that kind of thing. Okay. So what was that? Don't look for a horse and a mouse. I know what you're trying to say, but I can't remember the words either. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. That's it. Okay. So James uh, followed up. It was about addiction recovery and I was interviewing experts in nutrition, coaching, et cetera, not hobbyists. Okay. And then Alejandro remembers his first client was from Upwork. He wasn't the best client. Now that I remember, he had a ton of red flags that I didn't notice because I was a rookie. And the other quote unquote client I had was myself. There's an audio drama that's over there on SoundCloud. I hope you can find it. <gasps> really? And we are definitely going to go look yes. for it after the show. <laughs> We're definitely going to make it our intro for this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Alejandro. Um, and Patrick says, hey, welcome back, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Great to have you. I love Patrick. <laughs> I was going to move on to another strategy that has been good for me, but unless you had anything to add. <laughs> Did she say don't lick a gift horse? That is also a piece of solid advice. Don't lick a gift horse. <laughs> Probably don't lick any horse. But hey, you know, I'm not here to judge or shame anybody. So something recently, a couple months ago, that has actually been a huge for me is I was a guest on a podcast. It was a podcast about... So like I said, I work with life coaches. And this was a show that... um teaches other life coaches. So I did an interview to an audience that was my ideal client. And then after that interview went live, I had like five or six people reach out to me afterwards. Wow. Yeah. And currently one has signed off. It's kind of a weird thing. So one client is a guest on a lot of podcasts. So she's going to turn like put all of her interviews onto like one feed. Two are launching new shows and then like I'm in talks with like one or two more. And that was just from one interview talking about starting a podcast and how a podcasting can be good for their business. Wow. And one piece of advice that Steve Stewart always throws out is going to like conventions or other gatherings that aren't podcast specific. So he kind of promotes FinCon a lot. Um, And I know like several podcast editors that have kind of made that their niche. So going to getting in front of people that aren't podcasters, but can benefit from being podcasters, if that's clear at all. Yeah, no, it's it makes perfect sense. And it it makes me think of kind of what Jennifer does. Um, You want to tell everybody like the kinds of things you do to uh, build brand awareness. Yeah, building brand awareness is uh, (laughs) (laughs) when the subtitle on our graphic on this was the long game, because that's the client seeking game I play. Um, my niche is Central Kentucky. It's the B right in here in Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm seeking the female entrepreneur in Central Kentucky who may or may not already have a podcast. So I'm at events like Women Leading Kentucky. They had a bourbon tasting event recently. So yeah, I sponsored the food and beverage because it just kind of made sense. <laughs> Um, so then my my name, my bourbon barrel podcasting was there at a bourbon tasting event for women leaving Kentucky. And I had someone that I helped with her podcast a few years ago say, oh, I didn't get to catch up with you, but I saw that you had been there. I need to talk about podcasting again. So I'm like, OK, cool. My prices have increased since we talked last, but here's my link. <laughs> and then. Uh, I also go to Central Kentucky Women Entrepreneur. I'm in a member of two different chambers here in the area, uh, Commerce Lexington and Georgetown Scott County Chamber of Commerce. So I try to go to those luncheons. So I am like trying just to sow seeds 
here locally in my area. And some of them are starting to sprout. One of them has taken a year and lots of tender care and watering. <laughs> but we, we, it's, it's coming. We worked on a little bit. <laughs> We're getting there. Some grow a lot faster than others. Um, it's like in the Bible, the parable, some of them sprout out really fast, but have no roots and die. <laughs> that, that's some people. Some of them even giving you their money and then they die. And it's like, oh, well, that's very sad for you. But thanks for paying me up front on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I have a few going to probably start into the year, beginning of next year who I've known for a while or they're getting to know my name. They've seen me at events and things like that. So that's that's the game I'm playing right now on how to find clients. And I think that kind of game really pays off because, and this kind of goes along with Andrea's um, comment. So Andrea says a bunch of early clients came from a free class she taught in Chicago at an entrepreneurial learning center. Um, and that her class was on how to launch a workshop. And I have done uh, classes and workshops um, where I've either been a student and been in actively, you know, you know me. <laughs> like, I, yeah, where I can't shut up. Um, or, you know, I'm leading the workshop, right? And it kind of connects also to being a guest on a podcast, right? So you're basically putting yourself out there and saying, this is what I do, right? And if you do that consistently enough, people will remember, like, it is a long game. They won't necessarily be like, oh yeah, I need an editor, come here. Um, however, they will, they will store it in their brain. And even if they're not ready, now they know who you are, they know what you do. When their friend or their colleague or somebody is ready to have a podcast, or to, you know, hire an editor and ask this friend who has been interacting with you on online or at events or in your community, you'll come to the top of their mind. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll have heard from you, your company name, your, you know, website, your whatever, that you'll be fairly easy to find and connect with. Well, when someone said, oh, I have heard of you. I've had that happen a couple of times. Like, oh, you're Bourbon Barrel Podcasting. I've heard that. And that's just kind of cool. That's awesome. That's Like, oh, I've seen your coaster. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. I have encountered you before. So that was cool. And you never know what that can lead to. I feel like, Carrie, that's kind of where you've been. Because, like, you've been out there doing all kinds of different things and just, like, networking and just kind of building, like, your personal brand almost. But just, like, you're well-known and podcasting. And it seems like you've gotten some like really incredible opportunities just because like you put yourself out there. And that's really true. And I was thinking about this earlier, like as I was getting ready for the show tonight is five years ago, you didn't know who I was. Like nobody knew who I was. I didn't know who you were. Like I was just not a part of anything. And, you know, when I started the business and I was like, I'm really going to do this. I understood that it was going to be a marathon and that I would have to train for it, right? Because I, you know, I didn't, I mean, I knew a little bit about digital marketing and learned some lessons from my podcast. I knew a little bit of like, I kind of understood how to network. So that's just what I did. And I would literally like spend two, three hours online in Facebook. I would attend Facebook events or a virtual events. Cause I, at the time I didn't have any money to go to conferences. Right. <laughs> and then I, you know, I wasn't working and, um, I wasn't really making money as an editor is making like a dollar 25 an hour. That was in the Upwork days. Um, and I just kept at it and I just kept showing up and kept trying to be as helpful as possible. I didn't do anything to burn any bridges down because I was like, anybody could be a potential client. Right. And I just, I talked to people and I just, and I, and it really, it was, that's how I built my business is through networking. And through that, I have met some phenomenal people. Like, I don't know how it was just like, Oh, this, this is a friend of a friend or, and they're looking for a podcast editor. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm just like, 
okay, this is like Stephen King. What what are you talking about? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never questioned my ability to do the work because I think we're all smart. We can figure it out. Even if a client brings something new to us or they want something new that we ne- haven't necessarily done before, it's so easy to learn. I think the hardest part is this, is the finding the clients, is the like, waiting and waiting and waiting. But I will tell you, if you just continue showing up and like being part of the community you want to serve and being part of the podcast community, there's an inflection point where all that work starts to pay off. All that like networking starts to pay off. But it is like, you know, Jennifer is the one who came up with the idea that that finding clients is a long game, right? When we play this episode, and the more I think about it, the more I think she's absolutely right because it took me like I'm in my fifth year now and I have only like I turned a profit for like the first time last year, like a real a healthy profit. And I didn't start getting these bigger jobs until last year. Right. So that's what four years. It took me four years to get here. I mean, you guys knew who I were, you know, M, but like y'all don't give me money very much. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually just pay Alejandro. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly I just give my, you know, I was giving my money to people. Um, But, but yeah, networking is, is super critical and that's marketing. You have to talk to people. You have to be in the room. You have to show up. Now I'm a big fan of in-person in your face marketing and networking and stuff, but there's still the opportunity to get in on the pigeon game or seagulls game in Facebook groups where someone says, hey, does anyone know a, a podcast editor? And everyone goes, Mike, 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 Mike from Nemo. <laughs> and everyone just comes in and then the list is full. May have gotten lucky on one of those once. And that's because someone who didn't ask the question was scanning, looking through at people's answers and found me in the answers, even though they weren't the person asking the question. But um, that that is just, I, I don't have time for that anymore. Like, anybody know a podcast editor? Uh, what somebody It feels else very like the fiber experience is like you're just one in a pool of hundreds of other people doing the same exact thing. And the amount of work you have to put into differentiating yourself from them doesn't really pay off. Like the ROI isn't there. No, not like it used to be. Uh, You know, maybe three years ago, four years ago, it was a lot different. And now it's just like, it's it's hundreds of comments from people. I will say like, if you see one of those posts and like nobody else has posted yet. Right. That's when you do it. Or maybe two or three people posted. That's when you do it because that's, about as far as anybody's going to look is like three posts. And then anybody, you know, when they see they have a hundred comments, they're just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just post my booking link. If they, if they want more information, they can book a time with me. That's, that's really smart. That's all I do. It's like, well, yeah, let's chat. Jennifer, yeah. book me, whatever. Yeah. Book me dot name slash Jay Longworth. And the reason that that can work is because you have already demonstrated there with that booking link that you are going to make their life easier because it's not DM me. It's not like, here's my website. It's like, hey, you want to talk? Let's talk. Most of them don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that gets rid of them really easily. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you know, that was the, ex- of course, that's my experience from a thousand years ago. But, and now I'm like, no, nobody book anything. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have a comment from James who has an interesting point is he sells his clients on interviewing their ideal clients. Um, and one has grown his biz to $5 million a year, um, as a marketing agency. Um, and that speaks to more like what you say once you have the client in conversation, like the potential client in conversation. So that's, that's like his unique, um, selling proposition, right? That's what that would be. So it's good to understand like how, like it's one thing to get like the consultation, right? The discovery call. It's another thing. And we have an episode on this. It's another thing to be like, here's why you should hire me. Uh, So James is, yeah, start a podcast, interview your your ideal clients, start the conversation. 
Yeah, which is really good because I had I worked on a show who um he interviews startup founders because he had like his other company sold like service for founders. So he could bring on like a founder, they could talk about their company, all they do. He didn't care so much about that. But like in that conversation, they would tell him what all their pain points are and everything they're struggling with at the end of the interview, you can be like, hey, I got this thing that could solve all your problems. So I'm not sure like finding that kind of niche, starting a show where you interview who um, you think should start a podcast. And then like maybe at the end of the interviews, be like, hey, have you thought about adding a podcast to your marketing strategy? That's actually kind of brilliant. I actually have a client who's kind of almost doing that for me in a way. Okay. She's... um. She's still trying to find her way with her podcast, I think, but she's interviewing other business owners and they do so great on the mic. She's like, you know what? You really need to have your own podcast. There you go. We haven't convinced all of them to do it yet, but we're getting there. That's another one of those watering <laughs> seeds. <laughs> so Ashley is planting yeah. little seeds for me as well because she's like, oh, she's a headshot photographer. So people come in and do headshots and hey, while you're here, you're a business owner. Let's get you on my podcast. Yeah, I love the idea of planting yeah. seeds. I mean, when we joke about like the mattress companies and like HelloFresh and like using podcasting for brand awareness, I mean, yes, it's funny, but it also works because we're literally talking about like Casper and HelloFresh on our podcast. Yeah. Stamps.com. Nothing to do. <laughs> yes. I would never have known that stamps.com existed if it wasn't for their. Constant, like, advertising on every podcast I listen to. I, like, actually bought a third love bra from a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you have me undies yet? <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is this is a, a, a not, not explicit show, Daniel. So, calm down. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, like, it works. Like, that brand awareness actually works. And so Patrick has a question. Are you more likely to find, wait, are you more likely to find <laughs> more luck with podcasters who have um, bad audio, who want awesome audio, or podcasters who are already doing great with editing, but want their time back? So I can't speak from experience to this. I'm just kind of using like my own kind of instinct or gut reaction, but I would kind of lean towards the second one. Because like a podcast who's crap audio, it's hard to start the conversation because like, hey, your your podcast sounds like crap. And it's like you almost have to like start the conversation by insulting their work. Yeah. Whereas like a podcaster who's doing great, they see the value of their show and like editing it takes a long time. So it's like it's easier to sell them on buying their time back rather than improving their audio because like all the audio can only help so much. I know like podcast editors, we want, you know, everything needs to sound great. There is a point where like you lose that ROI, like having pristine audio versus good enough audio isn't really going to like make a huge difference, but being able to get more time back can go a long way on. So like if you were like a small business owner with a podcast, spending money on it to get rid of the editing aspect so you can spend your time doing something else is more valuable than just improving the audio. And I would argue that podcasters don't know how bad they sound. That's why the Blue Yeti is so popular. Yes. <laughs> so, for example, I had a consultation today. Um, it was a guy. He was like, I can't get my podcast out because I just am such a perfectionist when it comes to editing, which, by the way, is a common thing I hear in consultations. I'm a perfectionist. Right. And so I spend too much time on it. I can't get it, you know, can't get it done. What he did not mention that was a problem because I always asked, like, what are your struggles with editing your podcasts? Um, what he didn't struggle with was um, leveling and mixing. And when I listened to his podcast, I mean, he knew he had some like a recent episode that had problems. And let me tell you, it had problems. They're doing phone calls phone interviews, and they're literally holding the phone up to the microphone. No. I had a client, like she was on Zoom, but recording the, she had her speakers out. So she's recording the interview through the speakers into her mic. 
Rather than actually record through his... Oh, okay. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> okay. so that's what... I mean, that's... It's like the clients don't realize... I mean, he knew that that one was maybe a little bit difficult, but like all the other ones were okay. And so the one thing he never mentioned was that his podcast doesn't sound good. I will say it doesn't sound terrible, but there's like a gazillion miles of room for improvement. So I would argue that podcasters all think they sound just fine. And of course, now that our ears since the pandemic are all used to Zoom, yeah, they don't hear it anymore at all. Like Zoom is like the new standard yeah. for audio quality. That's yeah. sad. It's a shame. It is. It's very sad. It is extremely sad. Um, anyway, do you give a percentage to that person, peers who recommend your service? How much of a percent you give? Nobody gets anything from me. Nope. I don't. Yeah. They, you know, somebody recommends you. It's because you provide them awesome service and you're worth every penny. There are people who do that though. Like referral fees. I tried that with my clients one time and like the amount that I was willing to give them wasn't really worth it to them. Like it, it didn't, I got nothing out of it by offering like so much, like a hundred dollars per like if somebody, if you're first somebody that starts a podcast, like I'll give you a hundred dollars. Like nobody, nobody cared about that. Did you try, was it you who tried giving them a discount on their rate for that? Or is that somebody else? I think that's somebody else. I don't okay. remember doing that. Yeah. Cause you could be like, if you bring me a new client or like refer somebody to me and they sign a contract with me. That's key. Yeah. That's, that's very key. I will discount your editing for this month by like $100. I think I've heard of people doing that. I think that's essentially what it was. It's like $100 credit on your invoice. Okay. Rather than just like mailing them a check or Venmo. James mentioned, I find podcasters don't know how bad they sound initially and they don't know how good you make them sound with your work. So it's hard for them to value the effort. Yeah. I had a client's breakup with me once thanking me or scolding me or whatever they said about the minor edits I did to their show. And I was like, the minor edits I do for your show. You want to make me really mad? <laughs> Call what I did to your show minor editing. Thanks for playing. I'm glad we're breaking up now. Bye. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That just makes room for people who will appreciate you and then pay you um, appropriately. Because... The thing about finding new clients is you're not going to keep them all forever. Yeah. Never be afraid to walk away from a bad client. Yeah. If you're trying to, if you're in conversations with a potential client, I would suggest not putting so much emphasis on like making them sound like making their audio sound good because like people don't care and they don't know the effort that goes into it, but they can see the value that they can give from having more time. Or if you're helping them with the like process of getting started. So I would say like one idea is like try to kind of like what Andrea did um, when she taught at like the Chicago Entrepreneurial Learning Center is like finding opportunities to teach people how to launch a podcast because then you can get in their minds whenever they're if they're willing to pay for editing now or in the future. You know, when I had a studio space a few years ago, pre-pandemic, remember that, y'all? Anyway, I was doing <laughs> classes on a regular basis about how to start a podcast. Zero of the people who attended those ever hired me. So I hope other people have better luck. I guess they came. They thought. But then again, it was pre-pandemic. So it's hard. But. That was like right around that time, wasn't it? I opened in August of 2019. Not a great time to start a... Like, nobody ever came back around, but maybe they would be ready now. <laughs> I didn't find them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think classes are a great idea. And because, again, you're planting seeds, right? Going back to your, your beautiful metaphor, you are planting, planting seeds. Wish I could claim that I came up with that. I think that's, like, way older than anybody who's yeah. ever had social media. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, podcasters don't know how bad they sound. <laughs> Show Andrew's comment. I'm not logged in. I can't do it. So, I had Andrew says, I had a client listen to his raw audio once, and he said, do I always sound this bad? Then he apologized. We are in business for life. And then uh, 
on that same thread, James says, I find podcasters don't know how bad they sound initially and they don't know how good you make them sound with your work. So it's hard for them to value the effort. And I find that there comes a time in every podcaster's life who doesn't know how bad they sound where they have a guest or something where there's some sort of horrible audio problem. And that is the moment where you can make them understand. <laughs> like, oh, this is what you do. Okay. <laughs> do I ever sound that bad? Well, actually you do. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys. And I know we're like getting close to time. We all said how we got clients to begin with. How are we like, where have you gotten your last client? And I want to know from the people in the um, comments there in our, in our audience too, where did you get your last client from? So my most recent clients have been from, I was a guest on a podcast talking about podcasting, like how to start a podcast and how a podcast can be beneficial to their business. And that's when I got like five or six discovery calls right after that went live. And my newest ones... I had to start the Dropbox for, and that I, that's my next step is Jennifer, start the Dropbox um, from Lexington Podcasters, the local meetup group. Oh, yeah. Meetup groups are another great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been, I've been communicating with him in just on Facebook and in networking groups and stuff like that for a few years. And now his time has come where he needs me. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Not a predictable plan, but it's still <laughs> quite frankly, my last client, and it was a while ago. Um, surprisingly, I had joined Air Media, right? The Air Media Association, which is a great resource for everyone, by the way. He was at a dinner with somebody talking about his podcast that he wanted to hire an editor and a consultant. And they told him about Air Media, and he found me on there. He found my listing, contacted me, and it's been an awesome thing ever since. Nice. So that that was unexpected. That was the first time, actually, that I'd ever gotten anybody from Air Media. A uh, Facebook user said that their last client came from a Facebook group. Andrea says referrals from collaborators. And I'm curious what this collaboration was. Heidi said that childhood friend who I was catching up with on social media told her what I did and mentioned that if she ever wanted to start a podcast, dot, dot, dot. Patrick says, no clients yet, but I'm not ready yet. But I suspect I have a potential clients in past and future guests for my show. Excellent. And Steve Stewart, my most recent client, a client I met at FinCon 17, started a mastermind group. He sent me three clients this year. I'm assuming FinCon 17 means FinCon from 2017. Been a bit. Five years ago. Oh, the collaboration was an audio engineer whose studio I use. Oh, perfect. So yeah, were we not just talking about the long game and how five years later, three clients in a year? That is a very valuable connection. I have gotten, um, and not clients necessarily, because I swear to God, my business model is please don't hire me. I can't take any more work or please don't contact me. I just, I need a vacation. Um, but I get, I'll get consultations from it podcast interviews I've done like five years ago. And I don't like, I'm like, I don't even know what I said. Oh, <laughs> you, know, yeah. wow. you know, so, <laughs> but it's still, it shows you that the, that that is a long game too. Yeah. I do want to kind of clarify I don't want to dehumanize this. I know in a lot of like the bro marketing I see on Facebook or whatnot, or like in certain industries, it's just like all about networking in order to get something out of it. Like that, I don't think is the right way to take it. So like, you know, Steve Stewart getting, you know, three referrals from somebody he met back in 2017. Not only is that valuable for his business because he got three clients, he's also had a good relationship with this person for five years. Like, don't network just to get something out of it. Like network, honestly, like because there are amazing people who are just good to be around. Like I haven't gotten a single client from Carrie, 
Yeah, like she's one of my closest friends. So like I and same thing with Jennifer and Brian. Like I haven't gotten any business from like anybody in this mastermind, but I would not trade that networking in for somebody that gave me three clients. But if I knew someone in Delaware who needed a podcast editor and Carrie might have five minutes in her day, <laughs> maybe I would say talk to her for five minutes and see what happens. Yeah. And then Carrie can say, no, go away. How yeah. dare you? How dare you? Okay. How much? Okay. Like, yeah. I'm still doing <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a price. Uh, and the reason, because I started to feel bad for a second, was like, we've never given each other clients and we've been like hanging out all this time. We all do the same thing. And we have very different niches, right? And very different. Yeah. Stand- like Brian would never edit the shows I edit. Like, <laughs> I don't think I could handle the shows you edit. <laughs> I just think in like terms of like there's some of the shows I've done in terms of content. Um, mm. <laughs> and, and But you do life coaches, Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer does people in Kentucky. Like when am I going to run into somebody in Kentucky? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you ever start editing for someone in Kentucky, I'll smack you digitally across the way. Like, I'd be like, where are you from? They'd say Kentucky. I'd be like, oh, here's somebody you should talk to. So I guess networking to me is like just building friendships. Exactly. Oh, that's where all my friends are from networking groups. However, I have gotten clients from like other friends in the podcasting community. Yes. Right. Or they'll be like, I don't know how to edit this way or I don't know what, what they talk or they seem like they're um, more your kind of client than my kind of client. And I refer people out. I'm like, like, I don't think I'm your person, but like, I know this person over here who I think would do a fabulous job with your show and you'd love them. I had a, a fellow editor send me some clients once and it ended up not one of them ended up not being a good match and they went back to him and he's like, I swear I didn't steal them back. I swear I didn't steal them back. I'm like, you can have them back. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't like me because I didn't want to use licensed music in their end, you know? How dare you? You can have them back. Yeah. <laughs> you law-abiding citizen. Right. Found liable and pay millions of dollars. To- <laughs> This sounds like a record. Are you sure you can use this? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't have a pod decks question because, like, I once again, I forgot my deck. Do you have one, Carrie? Do you have one? Um, honestly, my I meant to, but now I'm, like, trapped <laughs> and I can't get to the pod decks card. Uh, well, I don't have any. How do you not have any? Doesn't I everyone- don't have <laughs> any. Oh, we'll have to fix that. I got mine from uh, Podfest. This past year. Thanks, Andrea, coming in class. Oh, wow, we got two. (laughs) What is one thing you wish everyone knew? And then Patrick says, What is your most treasured possession? Oh, these are hard questions. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, (laughs) I have no idea. I think. One thing everyone knew is I, I see like a lot of my wife and I started watching like um, just bad reality television. Oh, gosh. And like you see on social media, it's just like being able to have like um, a conversation like with those close to you about how you're feeling and just having like uh, an honest conversation that's like not getting defensive and that kind of thing. I wish I would not to be an asshole. I, I guess like, I'm trying to be a little pretentious and answer the question, but we're saying the same thing. Yeah, it's just in very different ways. Be kind to people, right? You know. Yeah. You know what? I wish everybody knew how to ask for what they want and what they need. Mm. I wish everyone knew how to admit when they're wrong. Ooh, that's a good one too. That is something that I've had to learn is like being able to say like, okay, yeah, you're right. I, I was wrong. It's so tough. It is a hard skill. I have to have like a mini tantrum before I do that. Like before I write that email, it's like. (laughs) Oh, I see half a cat is going into and out of existence. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. There's a, there's a precious treasured possession there. Yeah. Yeah. So what would the, I don't have a treasured possession except for time. That's, and I don't possess much of it. 
I'm trying to think like, because uh, I don't like hang on to things. Like I'm not nostalgic yeah. or um. I don't need stuff. I'm not nostalgic. Sentimental. It'd be like my, the jewelry that I wear is from my great grandmother and from my grandmother. And those are pretty, they don't come, they don't come off. So it's not like I can lose them. <laughs> the little ladies I work with sometimes like, don't take your rings off in the bathroom. When you go to a restaurant, they're so cute. And I'm like, oh, they're not coming off. I'm good. <laughs> they are forged to my skin. Yep. It's not a show till a cat or a child shows up. Yep. Yeah. So lately it's not me with the cat. It's me with the child. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew says that her treasure possession is everything my nieces create for me. Oh. Aww. I got a lot of nieces, Andrea. They make a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to just do a shout out to Podbean and Steph Fukio. Ted Steph, I probably don't even say your name right. Um, Of Global Podcast Editors. Because today they did an event called How to Become a Podcast Editor. They had a panel of, you know, Steph and two other editors and the Podbean community leader, I think she is. It was fabulous because they talked about podcasting in Latin America. So I think there are a lot of like Latin American and just Latin podcasters who are just need to get ready because podcasting is like emerging in Latin countries. And then there's a big push here in the U.S., in the Western world in general, for more Latin podcasts. So you need to put yourself in front of people, period. Put yourself in front of people. All right, I think that is a time to wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you are here live, thank you for comments and contribution to the conversation. And if you're uh, listening to this in the future, thank you so much for giving us the time. If you want the show notes and links or whatever, you, you know the deal. Go to podcasteditorsmastermind.com. And Jennifer is about to tell you uh, how to become a guest on the show. If you want to be a guest, go to podcasteditormastermind.com and click be a guest. Right? That's still the same thing. I think so. Yep. That's it. It's been a while since I've had to do that. (laughs) It's it's fairly easy. Okay. You guys got this. I am Daniel Avendroth. You can find me at rothmedia.audio. I'm Carrie Caulfield. Eric, you can find me at yayapodcasting.com or on Instagram at Carrie Eric. I'm Jennifer Longworth. You can find me at bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com and Bourbon Barrel Podcasting on social as well. And not joining us tonight is Brian Ensminger. You can find him uh, toptieraudio.com or at toptieraudio on all the socials. Thanks so much, everybody. And we'll see you uh, in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Uh, um, so, how much is that? <laughs> Um, 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 um